0: with me hallelujah Well, when you're coming in to, to worship your savior you don't care what other people think when, when it comes to what's right you don't care about what other people think because you are genuinely liberated another thing we see about this lady is she was internally beautiful come on i said internally beautiful when she approached jesus and did what she did jesus said she has done a good work for me meaning that Jesus recognized she may have had an opportunity to do something to benefit herself or to do something that was comfortable for her or do something that would put her in a less vulnerable position than what she did here today. But Jesus said, she did a good work for me, which means this was an act of selflessness. She wasn't thinking about her when she did it. She was thinking about him when she did it. Come on. So she was genuinely liberated. She was internally beautiful. And then besides that she was practically relevant because not only was this an act of spiritual worship but there was a practical aspect of it when Jesus recognized that she is anointing me beforehand for my burial there was a practical aspect to what she was doing as well as the spiritual aspect as well Is anybody here realize that that, that the practical things of life are important too Yeah, hallelujah. And then besides that, last but certainly not least, what this lady did was eternally significant. So significant that Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, wherever the gospel is preached, this story is going to be told about this lady. And guess what? Here we are here today in Seekonk, Massachusetts. Far away from this town of Bethany where it happened. And far away in time. But we're still talking about her today. Because she did something of eternal significance. So we realize this. The four characteristics of a God girl that we're going to hit today. And of course guys, you know it works for you too. But it's ladies day. So genuinely liberated. Internally Beautiful. Practically relevant and eternally significant. Are you ready? Yeah, let's take a look first at being genuinely liberated. You know, it's interesting. There's so much been said about uh, women being liberated. How many have ever heard of women's lib? And, you know, it's interesting that a lot of things have been done in the name of liberation have actually led to more bondage than liberation. Uh Uh-huh. Don't get me started now. But I'll tell you, when God gets involved in something, he's bringing genuine liberation. Not a cheap imitation of something, but the real thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, it's interesting to note that out of all the religions in the world and out of all the teachings in the world, there's one. There's one in particular that just happened to set the girls free. Come on now. There's there's one who the first propagators of the, the bottom line message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It wasn't the guys who carried that message first. It was the girls who carried it first. And the guys weren't even smart enough to believe it when the girls told them. Oh, come on, girls. Pack yourself on the back today. Hallelujah. But as we talk about being genuinely liberated, you can't help but think about that woman over in Luke chapter 13. The scripture says she was bent over like this. She had a spirit of infirmity. Walked around like this for 18 years. And in the the synagogue on one Sabbath day, Jesus said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And she was made straight. And those religious leaders started getting hacked off with Jesus because he was doing this on the Sabbath day. And he said, well, how how many of you would let let your animal get a drink on the Sabbath day? And if you let your animal get a drink, then 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 ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, who's been bound by Satan for 18 years, be loosed from her bond on the Sabbath day. Hallelujah. Genuinely liberated. And here we see she's liberated because of the covenant, liberated because of the covenant. Because she's a daughter of Abraham and according to Jesus, daughters of Abraham ought not be bound up. Daughters of Abraham not, 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 ought not be bowed over with infirmity or bowed over with anything else in their life. Children of Abraham, daughters of Abraham ought to be free ought to be loose from all the power of the enemy. And if Jesus thought that way, then I think we should think that way too, especially because he's right about everything. Hallelujah. So glory to God. Genuinely liberated because you are a covenant woman, a daughter of Abraham. Therefore, because you're a daughter of Abraham, you're a daughter of the covenant. So you're, you're free to be free, loose from stuff that has held you back. And you don't need to be held back by it another day in your life. Glory to God, whatever it is. Sickness, emotional distress, whatever it is that's been done to you or said about you, freedom is yours because you got a covenant with Almighty God. Hallelujah. You know, it's interesting. Along the lines of being genuinely liberated, you can be free to praise and worship. I'm talking about having some liberty when it comes to praise and worship. Like the scripture describes in Exodus 15, after the, uh, the, the children of Israel crossed over uh, the Red Sea. And then all the Egyptians got drowned in that same Red Sea. Somebody once said, well, it wasn't that much of a miracle because it was only ankle-deep water where they passed. <laughs> then it's even more of a miracle because the whole Egyptian army drowned in ankle-deep water. So, you know... <laughs> One way or the other. You can't get away from it. It's a miracle. Hallelujah. Uh, The the scripture says in Exodus 15 that Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, she took that timbrel. She took that tambourine in her hand. And all the women of Israel went out after her with their timbrels or tambourines and with dances. They were getting the praise on. And they said... Sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously and the horse and the rider has fallen into the sea. And they got their praise on And I believe today in this place that we need some women. We need some women who are going to get their praise on and going to sing to the Lord and go and dance to the Lord and not care what anybody else got to think. And guys... Guys, if you think, oh, that's just for the girls, that's just for the girls, then I must remind you of King David getting his praise on as the ark was coming up the road that day. Hallelujah. So it's not only a girl thing, it's a guy thing too. Somebody get your praise on. Be free in your praise and worship, genuinely liberated. That's why that woman anointed Jesus and, and openly uh, put on display her love for him in the way she did. Because she was genuinely liberated in her worship. Why don't you go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And besides being free because of the covenant and being free in your praise and worship, I want you to know, ladies, you are free to be fearless. Free to be Fearless. You know, what we're about to read here, we often hear about being children of Abraham. As a matter of fact, we just quoted that a few minutes ago where Jesus made reference to that that woman who was bent over for 18 years being a daughter of Abraham. But hey, I want you to know, Abraham was not a single dad. Abraham had a wife named Sarah. And I want to re- re- read something to you today, and give you in some, some insight that the Bible says to the daughters of Sarah. Any daughters of Sarah in the house today? Amen. Well, we'll find out if you are, and if you're not, you can be. But this is what it says: First Peter chapter three, verse six: As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good. And are not afraid with any terror. The Bible says here that the two signs of Sarah's daughters is you're out doing good and you ain't scared. You are fearless. Someone say fearless. Fearless. Hallelujah. You know, I I love this out of the, 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 the beautiful description of Proverbs chapter 31. Uh, Talking about that Proverbs 31 woman, and I'm glad i married one. Hey, hallelujah. But Proverbs 31 and verse 25 in the New Living Translation says this about this wonderful Proverbs 31 woman that we often hear talked about. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. Someone say fearless. Fearless. Oh, come on, isn't it time for somebody to just laugh without fear of the future? You know, you got someone the same. Well, how are we going to get through the next week? Uh, how are we going to get through the bills that are due this month? Um, uh, what, what, what about the economy? Uh, what about ISIS? What about this? What about that? Everybody's got a concern about everything. But I tell you, the woman who fears the Lord can laugh without fear of the future. You think about the future, and some some people. You know, they they, they might get scared. They might want to run. They might want to hide from the future. But you laugh without fear of the future because you're a covenant child and you are a true daughter of Sarah. Hallelujah. We saw that same spirit in a woman named Esther. Oh, yeah. As she had the opportunity to be able to take a stand before the king that would potentially save an entire nation, that being the nation of the Jews. But in order to go and have presence with the king, if you go uninvited and the king wasn't in a good mood, there was the culture of the day, there was the protocol of the day. Nobody went before the king uninvited. But she knew she had something to address. She knew she had something to bring before the king. And she knew that she was risking something. But I love the words where she said, if I perish, then I perish. Hallelujah. And, you know, I can just see she probably had her hands on her hip when she said it. Come on. But sometimes you just got to say, if I go down, I'm going down with God. And and if I'm going down, then God has to go down because I just got to do what I got to do. I got to stand for what I got to stand for. I got to do the right thing. And if God's not strong enough to hold me up, then oh, well, but I'm going to do it anyway. Hallelujah. And the good news is that God is strong enough to hold you up and he will uphold you with his right hand hallelujah you know uh, what, one interesting thing I want to share with you and 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 uh just for a little background you'll find this over in numbers 27 uh between verse 1 and 11 but but there was a a, a little known guy in the bible only mentioned a few times named Zelophehad someone said what <laughs> someone said let's stand up and get, give the interpretation right now but uh, uh but this man was named Zelophehad, and he had five daughters. He had no sons. And what happened is that Zelophehad died, and there was no sons to give the inheritance to. And of course, the uh, the, the the idea of the day is, well, if there's no son to give the inheritance to, and, and these daughters aren't married, then who gets the inheritance? And so what happened is that these girls fearlessly came and had a talk with Moses. And Moses, being in some new territory and having uh, uh, some, some new precedent here, he said, you know, I've never dealt with a situation like this before, so I better take this one to the Lord. And as he took this situation to the Lord, the Lord said, the daughters of Zelophehad are right. Isn't that nice when you can come and take a stand about something? And if somebody inquired about the Lord, the Lord would say, Yeah, they're right. Isn't that nice? And so here's the thing, and you can read this story for yourself in Numbers 27, 1 through 11, but it's an amazing thing how, how even though there was not precedent for such a scenario, that these daughters knew that that inheritance should be theirs, and they took a stand for what was right and came before Moses with a new scenario, a new situation. And as Moses talked to God about it, God confirmed that the girls were right. Hallelujah. Now, why am I saying that? Because sometimes there's a time to be silent about something. But sometimes there's time to bring something up and talk about it. And when it's time to bring something up and talk about it and bring it to the forefront and bring it to the surface, be fearless. Don't hold back. When it's time to talk, don't be silent because you can be the very catalyst that God would use to right a wrong. Is somebody with me this morning? Hallelujah. If they never said anything, nothing would have been done. But because they said something, because they fearlessly took up and took a stand about something, what happened? God actually said, the girls are right. And this is what we're going to do. And because of what they did, there was a new precedent set in Israel for how to handle inheritances. Glory be to God. And you know, I can't help but remember uh, uh, Jochebed, the, the mother of Moses and, and the, uh, the, the midwives of Israel. When king of Egypt, Pharaoh, said, we're going to go ahead and let the girls live. But all the baby boys that are born, we're throwing them in the river. But you have the midwives who feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt said to do. Is there anybody here? Are there any girls in the house that you'll follow the, the commands you've been given by the laws of the land as long as they're in line with what God said? But you cross God, you cross the line with me. Is there anybody that can say that? See, you obey the laws of the land. But if there's a law... That's going to cross the line of the law of God. That's a different scenario. You can't mess with the law of God. You can't mess with what God has established as right and wrong. That's where the line is. That's at the point where you got to say, like Peter and John said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Hallelujah. So we see the fearlessness that they could have gotten in trouble because they were saving those, those baby boys. The the mother of Moses, she hid her baby boy for three months and then sent him down the Nile River in a basket. But I'll tell you, that act of fearlessness and that act of doing what's right before the Lord at the risk of getting caught, but doing what was right before the Lord no matter what was the thing that ultimately set up the scene For the deliverer of Israel to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Why don't you go to Proverbs 31 real quick? Proverbs 31. Let's talk about the next part of it. We'll talk about being genuinely liberated. And and, and the the aspect of there. And and one of the biggest things we focus on is being liberated from fear. Being fearless to do what is right. Hallelujah. But now let's look at being internally beautiful. Internally beautiful. Oh, yeah. You know what? Let, let me read this to you be, uh, before we read the other one. Uh, Proverbs 11.22 in the New Living Translation says that a beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. In other words, if you've got outward beauty, but you don't have internal beauty, you're like jewelry on a pig. Well, see, that's the Pastor Ray translation of Proverbs eleven twenty two. I thought, how can I say this and kind of break it down and simplify it? If you get outward beauty, but you don't have internal beauty, it's like jewelry on a pig. Come on. You know, it's interesting. Uh, my, my little girl, one thing I've said to her so many times that the most important thing It's a beautiful heart. To which he replied to me, well, dad, you're a boy, so you have to have a handsome heart. So, uh, so, so, uh, is there any man in the house with some handsome hearts today? Come on. Hallelujah. Proverbs 31. Let's take a look at verse 30. It says, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Hallelujah. You know um some girls look good and then you find out well this sister's so high maintenance <laughs> now now you know sometimes cars need maintenance and when you need maintenance you go to the repair shop But your idea of marriage is not to have to live in the repair shop. You know what I'm saying? Hey. Oh, yeah. You know we can meddle right there. But how important it is to be one with internal beauty. Because the outside stuff passes. It don't last. But I'll tell you, the woman who fears the Lord, mm, you know, internal beauty causes a woman to look more externally beautiful. That is the absolute truth. And internal ugliness That can cause that that can cause you to go from she's so fine to if I stay here I'm out of my mind, you know <laughs> Praise the Lord <laughs> Praise the Lord You know, think about these things the scripture said. Bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Should you exercise? Absolutely. Should you take care of your temple? Absolutely. But godliness is profitable for all things. Get the little profit you can out of physical care. But not at the expense of not getting all the profit you need for your spirit. Hallelujah. That's profitable for all things. Glory to God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians four sixteen, your outward man is perishing. But that inward man can get renewed day by day. So, so even when, you know, as the saying goes, as this outward man perishes, what used to go north goes south. And, and, and changes happen within a person's body. But on the inside, that person's renewed day by day. That's why a man can look at a woman that he loves as his wife years down the road after they've got married and say, you look more beautiful to me today than you ever did before. Because that spirit on the inside... Getting renewed every day. And I tell you, that has an effect on someone's physical appearance. Do you think godliness has an effect on your physical appearance? Think about this. The psalm said that they looked to him and they were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. Amen. Someone said, Living for God will make you good looking. Hallelujah. <laughs> Remember the words. That the Lord spoke through Samuel the prophet when he was looking for the next king of Israel. Looking at all those sons of Jesse and David wasn't even around. He was back on the field somewhere and said, well, I mean, look, look at this guy. You know, I mean, you know, he just, uh, he's just, he's quite the hunk of a man here. He's got to be it. And what did the Lord say to Samuel? He said, don't look at the appearance of his physical stature. Because that guy there, I've refused him because the Lord does not see as man sees. Mm-hmm. The man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, I gotta tell you, I'm not telling you that you ought not to be physically attracted to someone you're desiring to marry. Lord knows you need to be physically attracted to someone you're desiring to marry. But what I am saying. Is first things first if someone's not right in their spirit you don't want their body if someone's not right in their spirit no matter how good they cook they may cook you a fine meal and turn that frying pan on you in a hurry look for a beautiful spirit look for internal beauty Lord have mercy hallelujah all right. First Peter 3. First Peter 3. Yeah. <laughs> lordy, Lordy, Lordy. First Peter 3. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> yeah. First Peter 3. Here we go. Well, we're having church now. Look at these words by the apostle. First Peter three, verse three says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. Let me say it to you like this. Spend more time on the part of you that lives forever than the part of you that's only living for a little while. You need to spend some time on your external, but you need to spend more time on your internal. Spend more time on the part of you that's living forever because ultimately... When it comes to beauty, if you've got something that's external but you don't have something that's internal, you don't have something that's eternal. Exactly. Exclamation point. <laughs> what do you look for? What do you seek to have? Well, first of all, don't you know Psalm 149.4 says, that the Lord will beautify the humble or the meek with salvation. Someone say salvation is beautiful. Salvation is beautiful. Someone say salvation looks good on you. Good. I mean, this is 101. You're looking for beautiful. You got to look for saved. you looking for beautiful. You got to look for saved because salvation is beautiful. You want beauty? Look for holiness. The Bible talks over in 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 16, 29, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21. Talks about worshiping the Lord and the beauty of holiness. Holiness is beautiful. I said holiness is beautiful. Somebody who is not allowing themselves to go here, there, and everywhere someone who's holding on to the gift of God that she's got. Well, I'm talking to single ladies here. Holding on to your virginity. Or if you acted wild and got saved, holding on to your second virginity because God knows how to restore stuff to you. Hallelujah. Because you're not just going to go ahead and, uh, and, and, and sell yourself out. Because the kind of man that you're looking for is the kind of man who thinks that holiness is beautiful. i tell you, my wife, before she met me, she knew how to chase guys away. Can I tell that story? Good. I got permission. Uh, In her early salvation days, any guy came around. She made it very clear that she was saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and that he wasn't getting none until he got married. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Someone say holiness is beautiful. As a matter of fact, you know, the scripture says that those who bring the good news, those who preach the good news of the gospel, it says their feet are beautiful. Someone, are you ready for a spiritual pedicure today? God's got his little ammo pay machine. You know those things they talk about on TV? God will beautify you. Salvation is beautiful. Holiness is beautiful. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Let's move on. Practically relevant. Practically relevant. Why don't you go to uh, Romans 16? But you know, sometimes in the idea of focusing in on the, the spiritual side of things, and it's always spiritual things first, as we've established today, More time on what lasts forever than what lasts for a little while. More time on the internal than the external. Yet at the same time, while you are in this life, there are practical details to take care of. You know, I think about Luke chapter 8 and verse 1 through 3, where it describes uh, women who ministered to Jesus out of their substance. Women who were actually supporters of the ministry of Jesus. And name some of them them by name. Talks about Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven devils. Joanna, who was the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. This other lady named Susanna. And it says many others who provided for him out of their substance. Took care of some practical details. Did something that was practically relevant. You got Romans 16. Let's take a look. There, there, there's some mention here about some girls that, that, that were very, very helpful and instrumental in the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, verse 1, uh, he said, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who's a servant of the church in Sanquia, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and a sister in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she's been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, that's a husband and wife, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Look at verse 6. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Look at verse 12. It says, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have labored In the Lord. So think about this right here in these verses, and 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 this this is not even a a a totally comprehensive list, but we see Phoebe and we see Priscilla and we see Mary and Tryphena and Tryphosa. And what did these people do? They were helpers to him. They were fellow workers. They risked their own neck for him. They labored much for us. They labored in the Lord. Can you see the importance of doing some practical things that are necessary? Practical things, details. Those things aren't important to some because only the spiritual things are really important. But according to what we're seeing today, you don't leave out the practical stuff. You just prioritize things. Spiritual things, top priority. But those practical things, natural life does have a priority you know i love what the the apostle paul said talking about uh the 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 widows over in first timothy he 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 talked about the the fact that, that they would have had a, a a good background uh the the those who could actually work in the church and be able to pass on some of their wisdom to others that they've that they've had some some good works. They, they brought up their children well. They, they've lodged strangers. It, it said that they have washed the feet of the saints. Uh, they've relieved the afflicted. They've diligently followed every good work. And I'll tell you, one, one thing that we see here uh, uh, about the, this godly widow that Paul described over in 1 Timothy 5, uh, dealing with three of the practical aspects of life, raising children, Number two, showing hospitality. And number three, offering relief and assistance to those who are afflicted and distressed. Is there anybody ready to get in on some of those practical details of life? Sometimes raising children is not always a hallelujah moment. Sometimes it's wiping a runny nose. Sometimes it's dealing with stuff and you think it and say, I can't hardly believe that I am dealing with this at this particular moment. You know, so sometimes you just have surprises and things that are that just happen along the way. Natural side of life, things that aren't real deep and spiritual. You're not having a shundai moment when you're doing this, you're not having a shundai moment during this homework time, late at night. But it's practical aspects of family life and outreach. Raising children, showing hospitality, being hospitable and showing kindness to strangers, showing kindness to the saints, and offering relief and assistance to those who are afflicted and distressed. Can you see the need for the, the practical aspect of life? Being practically relevant. And finally, to be eternally significant. Why don't you go to 2 Timothy chapter 1? Eternally significant. Think about Mary's realization as she was there before her cousin Elizabeth. And she uttered the words My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit is rejoiced in God, my Savior. He's regarded the low estate of his maidservant. And then she said, Behold, henceforth, from now on, all generations shall call me blessed. She realized that at that moment where she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, she said to that angel, Be it unto me, even according to your word, that she was setting herself up for eternal significance. Which is a very interesting thing, that the very first step towards being eternally significant It's just flat out obeying God, believing his word, and submitting yourself to his word. Just like Mary did. That act there of submitting to the word that was delivered by that angel was her first step towards being able to say, all generations will call me blessed. Hallelujah. You know, we read about Aquila and Priscilla over in Romans 16, a few minutes ago, what one thing they did in the book of Acts, and, and you know, I, I love the nuggets that, that it, it, if you, if you don't pay attention, you can read right over them. But, but in, in, uh, in Acts 18, we see something about Aquila and Priscilla that's a beautiful thing. We see the rise of this guy named Apollos, who is mighty in the scriptures, and, 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 you know, he's on fire for the Lord, but he, But the thing about it is that he only knew the baptism of John, so he was doing the best that he knew with what he had, but he needed somebody to take him under his wing. And Aquila and Priscilla, when they heard him, they decided it was a good idea to take him aside, and the scripture says that they explained to him the way of God more accurately. You know what, that might seem like a simple thing and not not a real big deal. But when you read about the mention of the name Apollos in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, especially in 1 Corinthians, you get to see this, that this was a man who had a major impact on the church at Corinth. Yes. And by taking the time to mentor one, whoa, what they did, they mentored the one who would mentor many. So you can never, ever diminish the idea or look down on the idea of mentoring the one. Say, what can this do? It's only one. Because you just might be mentoring the one who will mentor the many. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory be to God. And that act was truly an act of eternal significance because it didn't stop there. It was passed on. Hallelujah. You got Second Timothy? Look at chapter 1, verse 5. And look at some of the stock from which this young man, Timothy, came from. This is the Apostle Paul writing this. He said, when I call to remembrance, chapter 1, verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Hallelujah. You moms out there today, pass on your faith. Pass on your faith. Not just by talking about it. Living in front of your children. Pass on your faith. Pass on your faith. I'm talking to spiritual moms too. because Lord knows we need some spiritual moms. We need some spiritual moms today who can pass on the faith. You know, we were reading in Romans 16 a few minutes ago. And uh, if we would have kept on reading, we would have come to one little verse where Paul said, Greet Rufus, who is chosen in the Lord, and his mother, and mine. That Paul was referring to the mother of Rufus as his mama. The apostle Paul himself had a spiritual mama. How beneficial that is. What else does the scripture say? Well, why don't uh, let's see? You're in Second Timothy. Why don't you go and uh, uh, go to Titus chapter two, one verse over in First Timothy in chapter five? It says this. It says that 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 uh, we, we should entreat the older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters with all purity. Hallelujah! Thank God for from others in the church. And here in Titus chapter 2, we see one of the things that, that the, the older women can do. Now, older does not mean old. You, know, you hear the term older, you think, okay, is that 60 and above or 70 and above or 80 and above? But here's the thing. If you are 39, you're older than 19. If you're 45, you're older than 25. So there's always an opportunity. Someone said, keep going. I heard that. There's always an opportunity. Always an opportunity to do this. Here, the end of verse 3 in Titus chapter 2. Says that they should be teachers of good things. In verse 4 it says that they should admonish the young women to love their husbands. Love their children to be discreet, to be chaste, to be homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Well, you know what? In some cases, there's girls that want a husband but don't have a husband yet. Well, some of the ladies with some experience can mother them in the way of telling them what to do when they get him. In some cases, these are some things you need to straighten up right now so you can be ready for him. Hey, that's a good word. Hallelujah. But, but here's the thing. Even if somebody may, may not have an interest in marriage, there's still things that they can learn right here off this list. To be discreet, to be chaste, to be good, to know how to handle your business well. Glory to God. We need spiritual moms in the church that'll take some of the younger girls under the wings and show them the ropes on how to be a godly woman. A godly life, a godly wife, a godly mother. Amen. Amen. Let's wrap things up with this. Despite your background, you can still be eternally significant. My, my, my. Despite your background, despite what a mess of life you've come from, you can be eternally significant. Let me tell you a story of four ladies. One of them pretended to be a prostitute and actually ended up sleeping with her father-in-law. That's one. The other one was a prostitute whose house was on the wall of an old city. Let me tell you about the third lady. She came from a religious background of cruel and perverse practices that included child sacrifices. Let me tell you about the fourth lady. This one had an affair with the king. And you'll find them listed in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of them named Tamar, one of them named Rahab, one of them named Ruth, and the other one named Bathsheba. Girls, when you look at their background, you say, well, that's not a real great background for for one to exercise eternal significance. But four girls with four tough backgrounds, listen to me we're instrumental in bringing the Savior into the world. And so no matter who you are and what your background is, because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and this table that we're about to celebrate today in a few minutes, you can have eternal significance. Because this blood will do it all for you. This blood will genuinely liberate you. This blood will cause you to be internally beautiful. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be like wool. This blood takes care of your spirit foremost, but also takes care of the practical details of your life because the same blood, the same wounds, the same stripes that did something for your spirit also did something for your body. So there's a practical relevance to what the blood can do for you, not just for your eternity, but it can benefit you in the here and now. And also, no doubt about it, this blood has eternal significance. I love the wording of the verse in Hebrews where it says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered into the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Thank you, Lord. By the blood, we can be genuinely liberated. By the blood made internally beautiful. The blood not only takes care of spiritual aspects, but it helps us with the practical aspects of life as well. Thank you, Jesus. And also, and most importantly, this blood is of eternal significance because this is the very thing that helps you to be ready for eternity. Will you praise the Lord with me today? Hallelujah. Let us pray. Would you bow your heads? Father, we honor you today and give you glory. And we thank you, Lord, that all over this place that, that uh, you would take your word and seal it in the hearts of your people. And Lord, that anybody in this place that does not know you, that has not experienced you, that does, has not become acquainted with the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would move on them right now.